Welcome to Metal Injection Squared Circle Pit. Today's special guest, comedian Brian Posey. And now, here is your host, Rob Pasbani. It's another really fun edition of the Squared Circle Pit. I am Rob. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you and your family and all your loved ones are safe in these trying times. And uh, I'm happy to provide you with uh, a little bit of distraction for the next 40 minutes or so. I have a really, really awesome guest today, comedian Brian Posehn, who just released his new metal album, Grandpa Metal, and happens to be a huge wrestling fan. We get into it with Brian about how he got into wrestling, some of his favorite wrestlers, getting his son into wrestling, his thoughts on AEW, and just how politics and wrestling and how metal and wrestling are similar. And if this is your first time listening to Squared Circle Pit, thank you for listening and checking us out. And please take a moment and check out our archives. We have so many great interviews with wrestlers and musicians in our archives. You can go to metalinjection.net slash squared circle pit. And uh, the latest interview I did before this one was with AEW's Darby Allen. Also had Jimmy Havoc on the show. I've had Johannes from Avatar, LP, El Fantasmo from New Japan. Uh, the basis of health I've had, Rick Boogs, Eric Rowan, the creator of Dark Side of the Ring on Vice, Chris Jericho, Mick Foley, Raven, Eric Bischoff, Kenny Omega, CM Punk, so many great guests in the past. Uh, on the music side, I've had Zach Wild, Corey Taylor from Slipknot, Scott from Neurosis, uh, lots of cool dudes, Tommy Blanca, the uh, co-creator of Death Clock, and also a former head writer of WWE. So metalinjection.net slash squared circle pit for all the archives. I want to play my interview with Brian right now. And when I get back from the interview, we'll talk about what's going on in the wrestling world. And there's a lot going on right now. And we can kind of uh, uh, chat about that. So here is my interview with Brian Posehn. Now entering the squared circle pit, comedian and metal musician, actor, writer, a man of many commas, Brian Posehn. Thank you so much for talking on Squared Circle Pit. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, it's it's my my pleasure. Album is called Grandpa Metal. Uh, it is a metal album that you uh, wrote with Scott Ian. You're doing the lyrics. Scott wrote some great riffs. You got some great soloists. It's a it's a quite an all star team. And uh, one thing that I found interesting is the the promo photo. I don't know if it's for the album or just your current promo photo in general. You you're wearing a Rowdy Roddy Piper T-shirt. And when I saw that, I was like, I gotta have him on the show. I want to talk wrestling. So so is Roddy Piper your guy? One of them. Yeah, definitely <laughs> in the eighties he was. Uh, I also I love Taker. I mean, being a metalhead, some of my favorite guys are like, and I still currently watch. So uh, I'm not totally up to date right now, but I love WWE. I watch AEW. Also, I just got into that in the last year. Well, obviously, it's only been going so long, but <laughs> right. I'm into all those. You know, I, my favorite guys are like the guys that are kind of metal related, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But take care. I, I love uh, Eric Rowan. I love Bray Wyatt, you know, guys like that. The, right. the obvious uh, metalheads. Aleister Black. Yeah. I don't know Alistair very well, but I'm totally, yeah, it's totally up my alley. When a guy comes out to a, to a metal song, and you know that it's, you know, a lot of the WWE sounds metal-ish, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. but when, when their entrance song is for sure metal, you know, I love them. That said, I also, 
I like a lot of the baby faces too. Like I, you know, I maybe cause having a kid, I have a 10 year old that I've tried to get into wrestling, you know, well, he likes it, but he's not as crazy about it as uh, uh, maybe I would, I would hope he's always appeal, you know, found that, you know, guys like Cena and then uh, people that I, I know not a lot of people don't love Roman, but I, well, I feel like people have come around to him since he, after he got sick and beat it. But, uh, for a while there, I was uh, I was one of the only friends of mine that was waving the Roman Reigns flag. Like other wrestling friends of mine are like, dude, that guy's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would argue that the way they they write for him is you know garbage, but he he's a great wrestler. Yeah, that's so funny. That's so true. I noticed that as well. Like I went to a house show like five years ago, and I'm I'm a very cynical wrestling fan. Uh, not the biggest fan of John Cena, but you know, like I I respect him and like all that he does outside of wrestling. Just. I just don't like him, the char- the kayfabe character. But right. when I went to a house show, like I was sitting next to kids and seeing how they reacted to the show completely like made me realize what an asshole I was being, you know, just like, oh, it's for yeah. them. It's like, and, it, and it's such a different experience. Yeah, you're right. It's hard to be cynical about it when you see like the kids are looking at these guys like they're superheroes, you know, mm-hmm. and you're like, ah, that guy's a douche. <laughs> it's like calling Captain America a douche. You know? <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. So do you have a first wrestling memory? Like, do you remember how you got into it? Yeah, man. My mom, uh, I was raised by a single mom, and uh, she still would watch it with me. And it was I grew up in the Bay Area in the 70s. And, um, you know, before WWE, I feel like they called it Big Time Wrestling was our, was our Bay Area one. And it was guys like Pat Patterson was like one of the first local guys I got into. And I remember thinking he was super cool as a kid. And then my mom and I would wrestle on the bed till I got to a certain age where it was weird to wrestle with your mom. <laughs> but, uh, she, you know, cause she was raising a boy and she was, you know, encouraging boy like behavior. So, uh, she would just do it with me. She'd wrestle with me on the bed. She'd call herself Moondog Maine and stuff like that. And, <laughs> and uh, and uh, greasy spoon. And we'd make, you know, we'd wrestle and, and, um, uh, and I also watched it on TV. And then in the 80s, uh, the first one I went to live was, I feel like it was a house show and not a, a well, I, that you know, WWE wasn't even televising by that point. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, they were all house shows back then. Right. But, there were no pay-per-views. <laughs> there was no yeah, cable. <laughs> so, but I saw Hulk live and I can't remember uh, who he was fighting. But uh, but one of the my takeaways was... Uh, the fabulous Moolah, is that her name? Yep. Or Marvelous? Yeah. Uh, she came out, and I loved, you know, yelling at heels. I was like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> I get to just scream at this woman, and I'm yelling at her, and she flipped me off, and I was blown away. I was like, this is the fucking coolest thing ever. Like, this, this, this woman, you know, just locked eyes with me and, and flipped me off. Yeah, that's when you realize, like, oh, this is a, a two-way interaction. Like, that, uh, I remember. It's kind of real. It made it more real. It's like, oh, she could kick my ass. <laughs> <laughs> that's, she's not a character right now. She's a human, and she looks pissed at me. <laughs> this, could go, this could go terribly wrong. I'm a teenage boy about to get throttled by this old lady. <laughs> so did you get into wrestling before metal, or which came first for you? God, good question. 
at that time I wasn't crazy into wrestling, but I did, yeah, more metal. <laughs> I'm way more of a wrestling fan now than I was as a kid. I mean, I, lo- I liked it as a kid, but I had other obsessions, comic books, Heavy metal was, was, yeah, I would say I was more of a metalhead back then. I see. And so when when did your wrestling fandom really kick into high gear? Like, when were you, like, really a wrestling fan? You know, like, hardcore about it, if that ever happened. More in my 20s and since. Mm-hmm. I love the Attitude Era, and, uh, you know, I was a strange thing. I had moved back in with my mom because I had hurt myself. And then, uh, I was, when the attitude era started, when, uh, raw versus war and all that, you know, started watching all that stuff and switching back to, you know, the, remember when the two, the two shows were up against each other. And, right. Raw and nitro. Yeah. And were you more of a WWF guy at the time or a WCW guy? Cause the NWO is pretty, I liked pretty cool. both. Yeah. I liked, I liked guys on both ends. You know, I liked it. Uh, New World Order. I liked when the big guys came out, like Stone Cold, and and uh, when those guys broke, I liked a lot of them and Taker and him. That time for me is like my kind of like golden era. Uh, I, I did grow up in the eighties and I started watching in the eighties, uh, but like that's, I mean, for me personally, it was like when I was in high school and uh, like it was just so cool and it was the first time for me that like everybody thought wrestling was cool again but after like wrestlemania 3 you know because i feel like for the longest time i couldn't really tell people i was a wrestling fan it was like a little embarrassing but then like around then it was like everybody talked about it yeah i feel like it got cool in the mid 90s right right yeah and even like even you you saw it in like mainstream entertainment like they would be more on you know the tonight show and, and and, and accept it. actually early 90s not yeah early 90s is when i got back in but yeah i see early 90s got back in but like late 90s is when it really like peaked i feel and then also with the, the right. two shows and so i think that was like a, a big part of it for me was that like oh it's so cool that it's cool again and i could share this thing i'm passionate about and not like hide it which right i feel in a way that's kind of something that that metal and wrestling have in common and i, I think metal and wrestling have a lot in Absolutely. common that like people are kind of holding in they don't want people to judge them based on their what do you think well yeah i agree and being a nerd about a bunch of different things whatever you were nerdy about was not cool then like to be obsessed with stuff was not cool mm-hmm. in the in the 80s like when i grew up whatever you were into like i was into star wars too late my friends were already out of star wars by by jedi and i was still in and so i was the you know i was a misfit in high school because i still cared about this thing and that no one cared about anymore uh you know and and so i feel like i identify with that like almost everything I liked, I had to be kind of secretive about, like I was still reading comic books. And then, you know, in the end of the eighties, when comic books got great again, when guys like uh, Frank Miller and, and uh, Alan Moore and uh, all these great writers started coming out, that became kind of cool to talk about, but not really. You still end of the eighties, early nineties, I still like kept my obsessions, you know, under rat. I wouldn't share them with everybody, whatever I was into. Yeah. And that's what, you know, I just listened to talk about like comics, metal and wrestling. It's kind of like metal and comics together kind of is wrestling. Yeah. And horror. The fact that there was crossover, the fact that Piper showed up in a John Carpenter movie for me. I mean, that was, that was amazing. You know, they live was kind of, uh, like, oh, this is okay. This this is, this is a you know, this is a a crossover of these things I like. I think they live is the best 
uh, movie star- starring a pro wrestler. Arguably, it's one of the best movies of all time. Like, especially today, like how relevant it still is. But even at the time, it was like, wow, there's a wrestler in like a good movie. It's not like Mr. Nanny. You yeah. Know? <laughs> right. Or the, or the Marine 3 or, or whatever. Yeah. What were your thoughts on Hulk Hogan? Like you, you, you're a little older than I am. So I feel like Hulk Hogan was the initial John Cena from friends of mine that I talked to where like kids loved him. But after a few years, like everyone else was kind of just like, Oh God, this again, like terrible main events, you know, all this stuff. Like how, how did you feel about Hogan growing up? Well, that probably why I kind of got out of it. Like by the early eighties, like when he got so huge and became like Mr. T or whatever, mm-hmm that kids younger than me were into, I kind of tapped out anyway, you know, and then I didn't come back in till like we were saying when the, you know, the two, the two networks started battling mm-hmm. against each other. Oh, interesting. Uh, and did you watch any like Ric Flair, any WCW at the time? Because the end of the eighties is when I started comedy. So I wasn't really a lot of things I, I wasn't as into because I was so focused on just, uh, you know, comedy was my obsession at the right. end from 87 to like 91 well still is but i mean then i started to get back into some some things that i loved i see so you just had no time for anything else because you were just so fixated on yeah and and girls finally liked me when it when i (laughs) (laughs) when i had confidence and you know i was doing stand-up comedy and thought i was hot shit so uh I, I was finally somewhat appealing to women. <laughs> Confidence goes a long way. You know? Yeah. That, that, you know, just uh, if you find yourself not appealing to women and, and lacking confidence, just get up on stage, write some jokes. <laughs> and if you get some laughs, it'll, it'll help. It worked for me because once I started getting laughs, I was like, bad, this is what I'm supposed to do. You know, and then I was like, hello, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Want to meet the funniest man in Sacramento? <laughs> Was there a big uh, comedy scene in Sacramento at the time, or were you like one of four guys? <laughs> no, there were a few. There were there were several, and we were all driving down to San Francisco once we, you know, got better at it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about like writing for WWE? I know there's a lot of comedy writers that end up having a stint there. I have. I would. I would love to. I would still love to do something with one of the big ones, mm-hmm. AEW or WWE, or it doesn't matter. I mean, I would love to. I'm hoping somebody picks up one of my uh, grandpa metal songs as their theme song. You know, I kind of hinted to Eric Rowan that he could kind of take anything he wanted because he liked the record. Oh, cool. He put something on Twitter, how he liked uh, grandpa metal. And I was like, sweet. <laughs> take some riffs for yourself. But, uh, you know, Tommy Blotch is a friend of mine and he, he was the head writer. Yeah. I've had him on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Of death clock and, and, uh, you know, metalocalypse and so when he had done that i asked him what was that like <laughs> he had a bunch of stories but uh yeah he's definitely interested i don't know if i could do that as a full-time gig but i would definitely love to dabble that is interesting like you know tommy was writing like some of the stuff we were just talking about as like the peak of the era because he was he was the head writer there right from like i think 98 to like 2001 or something like that when it was like everything awesome <laughs> and then and then he did death clock so it's like it's so wild how many people had like a foot in the wrestling world uh not even like freddie prince jr was on the booking team for like a really long time just because he happened to be a fan and was backstage and 70 and was like do you want to want to help us out <laughs> so maybe yeah and, and david arquette too i remember like seeing him show up and go what the hell but but it's like well they're fans and uh you know and i guess when the network found out they were fans like of course they use them yeah right 
Yeah, and now Arquette is actually he's actually in the I think he he just released a documentary because he had this whole year or two comeback on the indie scene where he, he was just doing wild matches. I don't know if you saw he had like a death match where No. I didn't know that at all. Oh, I gotta check that out. That's amazing. He's been mostly doing comedy matches, but okay. last summer there was a show by this company, GCW Game Changer Wrestling. And the main event, it was like a show in LA, and the main event was David Arquette versus this indie wrestler, Nick Gage, who I like just the he's like the most violent hardcore wrestler. He's like the equivalent of like a new jack or or someone very, very like he does death matches. And so I think David Arquette was way out of his element because this guy started pulling out light tubes and hit him with light tubes and he started bleeding and you noticeably see the the fear in David Arquette's face. And at one point, I'm not exaggerating, his uh, Arquette's neck got gashed so bad that he, he panicked and he had to like leave the ring and uh Gage wanted to keep the match going and Arquette's like my neck like I could die and just lay down and was like pin me we need to end this match it was wow it was insane it was like it was legitimately out of control that's how I think any wrestling match with me would go like, <laughs> I have this size you know I can definitely be part of the Wyatt family you know if I was gonna if I was gonna wrestle that feels like the place I would have wound up you know <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Couldn't you see me standing next to Rowan? <laughs> Absolutely. You know? Or like in the in the late nineties you would be like in the oddities, you know, if you remember yeah. that with like Gangrel and Yeah, but just give me a give me a sheet mask and uh, put me out there. Those guys when they were doing that a couple of years ago, I got one of the black sheet masks and terrified my son. But <laughs> um, but in reality, if I even stepped in the ring, I would not. I, I couldn't take a hit. I, oh, I'm such a puss in real life. Oh, I'm right there with you. I did. I, I, I've talked about this on my show before, but like I did one day of training and not even a day. I did like half a day and I was just sore for four days. I was like, I'm never doing this. This is insane. I can't do this. Like, I'm not an athlete. No, even the cardio would kill me. Yeah. And then, and then to, to have a grown man flip me on my back, I... I'd probably just explode like all my bones would break when I, when I hit the mat. <laughs> well, in spite of that, have you ever thought about like, if you were a wrestler, like other than the Wyatt thing, what you're, have you ever come up with a gimmick for yourself? No, but it would be, it would be metal and it would be, it would be evil. And I would let, you know, it would be like a, a taker or, a, um, now I can't remember his name. Uh, the, the politician takers, uh, my brain's farting right now. Um, JBL? No, the guy that's high up in, in uh, WWE. Bald guy. He's also a local politician. Oh, Kane. Kane, yeah, duh. <laughs> See no evil. Right. <laughs> Horror legend Glenn Jacobs, a.k.a. Kane. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and local politician. It would be a guy like that. It would be like, I probably wouldn't talk because people hearing my voice you'd realize that I'm not very menacing. But if I just didn't <laughs> say anything, I'd, I'd be like a guy who just like gave surly looks, <laughs> but acted evil. And... What would be your finishing move? Have you, have you thought about that? No, never. <laughs> I, f I feel like it would have to be something where you wouldn't get off your feet because you, uh, you don't want to be taking bumps here. It has to be like a choke slam or a power bomb. It would be like a curb stomp my version of a curb stomp or something mm -hmm. where I get them on the ground and then stomp on their face or just fall on them. <laughs> oh yeah. There you go. You can do a big splat, like a Yokozuna bonsai drop, maybe the dead man <laughs> or the coffin. And I just fall on them. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, let, let's talk a little bit about AEW. I'm so excited. Like AEW to me is so like, I mean, obviously it's run by a billionaire, but it, it feels very punk rock, like very metal in that it is like, we are the alternative. Like there is this mainstream pop music that, you know, they're providing this music that a lot of people who are passionate about this are rejecting. So we want to do like the underground version of wrestling, slightly overground, obviously. So that's what's appealing to me. What do you enjoy about AEW? Well, I'm not super, super into it, but I mean, the immediate draw was I'm a Jericho fan. So Mm -hmm. it was another place to, it was another place to watch him. And, and it's just, I, I feel like I'm latching onto what you were saying about it. The fact that it is the cooler version of, the mainstream things, you know, and I was kind of looking for that because in the last couple of years, some of the stories I was dropping out of on WWE and I was, I was, I was watching it real intensely for the couple of years ago. What was the era? Rollins. And when the, the three of them were, Oh, the shield, the shield, you know, I was, I was watching it a lot. Then I was watching it every week then. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like in the last year and a half or two, I, I just sort of became less interested. And then they, the, just the timing of AEW in the last year has just been perfect. It's like, oh, okay, well, here's this other fun thing. I'm probably not watching as many as, like, I'm not obsessed with either one of them right now, but mm-hmm. but I'm a fan of both, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. I, I feel like with WWE right now, it's very hard to want to invest in the storylines because the payoffs are always, I feel just honestly, just disappointing, like, not to be negative about right. it but it's like it's like just basic storyline structure doesn't exist it, like things just happen and then and then you like you ask as a fan like why did this happen and you go online and read like oh they just decided to change the story and it's like well yeah and i mean i still like some of the people there uh i i like braun Strowman, and and uh we took my kid to a, a house show like in december it's still fun you know but, right I'm just not, comp- I'm not watching it every single week and I'm not watching both shows like I was. And, you know, mm-hmm. they're still getting recorded. But, uh, <laughs> and then with AEW, I'm not obsessed yet, but I'm getting into it. And I mean, I love that there's this option, you know, that there's this other thing that like it was in the 90s when there were two that you could watch, you know? Absolutely. I like that. I like that there's an option to it. I like some of the, sometimes the, the small guys, you know, because I'm not small, those guys are really fun to watch who's the the little little guy that's part of the dynamo? marco stunt yeah marco stunt is fucking amazing to watch mm-hmm. like, and the fact that he's so ballsy and, and fearless uh that it makes it fun i agree i and i love that they give guys like that an opportunity who you wouldn't you would never see a guy like that oh no not no not in the network now yeah what is he four feet tall he's tiny yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah he looks like a, a, a child uh, he's like in his 20s, yes. but <laughs> uh, and also I love that Jericho is just unleashed. Like we're getting like unfiltered. <laughs> yeah, Chris Jericho. And, and he has been the true MVP of like all of like he has shown his value tenfold on like, hey, I am like he is the Ric Flair of that promotion. Like the 80s I agree. Ric Flair. And, and I love that Moxley's finally getting to be himself because I feel like he was really overlooked after the Shield you know, went away mm-hmm. and uh, he was one of my favorites. And now he's kind of popular again on, in the, on the Southern network. It's nice to see. Yeah. Part of the problem with WDBE is that, like the guys you really get into get underused. Like I said earlier that I was such a Bray Wyatt fan. 
for a while, Bray Wyatt was getting overlooked and not getting, you know, the personality and what a great wrestler he is. He wasn't being used in the right way, I think. I feel like now, you know, they've kind of got a hook for him. But uh, for a while, it was like... Yeah, he's like the best merch seller right now, too, with this new gimmick. But even still... Yeah, yeah, right? Even still, though, I don't know if you have been paying paying too much attention, but like two weeks ago, they had a Saudi Arabia pay-per-view and, and Goldberg beat him like in a, in a second, like in, it was less than a minute. Uh, I thought Goldberg retired. You, yeah, well, <laughs> they brought him back. I guess they needed like a special attraction for the Saudi show. Cause those Saudis are still stuck in the nineties and they want like these older stars. And they, they yeah. originally brought him back to lose to Bray Wyatt. But then I guess they figured that like Goldberg versus Roman Reigns would have been a more appealing WrestleMania main event than, uh, Roman Reigns versus Bray Wyatt. So they gave Goldberg the title, and now that's what they're doing for WrestleMania. Right. Yeah, see. Uh, how do you feel about them going ahead with doing it in, like, an empty arena? I, I didn't really want to talk about, you know, with current events too much, but just, like, do you think it's, it's the right move to do an empty arena show for WrestleMania? Yeah. Well, I think people need to be entertained. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would do stand-up in an empty comedy club and pay-per-view it because uh, we all need to work. <laughs> I'm starting to panic. You know, already my uh, March and my April completely went away in the last two days. So I won't be working till the summer again. So I get it. I mean, the show has to go on. Mm-hmm. People were planning on watching this thing. The fuck thing is I feel bad for all the people that were traveling out to Tampa and now, you know, uh, have to figure that out. But yeah, there should absolutely be a show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm of the same mind. I think they can make it fun and like make it unique. With like with the audience isn't there, but like it could it could be unique in its own way. And, and I feel there's almost an appeal to it now. Hasn't one of them already done an empty show like for the regular shows or no? WWE they did SmackDown last Friday. It was empty, and it was they did a bunch of matches, and the matches were a little awkward because. The wrestlers are just so used to playing to the crowd, but like there's no crowd to play to. So I gotta watch it. I gotta I gotta check that out. You were talking about the Saudi Arabia shows. I wanna watch that that Saudi pay per view because the last one was so weird when they brought Hulk back too. Like I'm not a fan of Hulk's uh, politics or his his outbursts. Yeah. (laughs) Some of his, yeah, I can't get behind the racism at all. (laughs) Yeah, that was a a weird thing. Yeah, this last Saudi show was very awkward as well, uh, just for the same reasons of just, it's just weird, like the crowd is half into it. The wrestling is never good because it's like everyone's jet lag. It's 100 degrees out there. It's it's very odd. But yeah, so on Raw this week, they had... A, a match that went like three minutes. So they, they're two, they're like kind of fearful now of doing these empty arena matches. So it was like mostly promos. And then they reshowed uh, this year's Royal Rumble for the whole <laughs> show for like two hours of the show. And AEW's first empty show is tonight. So we'll see how they kind of approach it. But I'm, I'm very curious. And I agree. I, like as someone who is stuck in his home, like the entertainment, like we could use it. Yeah, none of it should go away. I can't wait to get back because I, I've still not gone to AEW live and I, I really want to go, you know, the next time they're in LA and then bring my son because I feel like he might get into that too. Um, he hasn't right. really watched, he's seen me watching AEW, but he kind of was, you know, he's still young. So he's like, why is he called John Moxley now? And I'm like, ah, well. <laughs> <laughs> right. I feel like AEW has. I mean, just by the ratings, they appeal more to younger demos, but because they also have younger guys, I feel like 
someone your son's age could find someone to relate to more in AEW than he would in in WWE. Uh, As we wrap up, though, I I do I do want to just uh, tackle one more topic really quickly and that is how wrestling has influenced politics i feel like in the last four years now especially with our president like i find that like kayfabe and and like cutting a promo and and all this like wrestling stuff can be seen in our political universe now like it, it do you find yourself noticing wrestling yeah i wish my party i wish my party would embrace that that's you know i know the rock if he ran he wouldn't run as a democrat but part of me likes to think he would because we need that the democrats need a guy like trump who can cut a promo right (laughs) now we have a president heel i I, we need a president babyface to come in and kick the shit out of the heel that that is a, a great analogy, and I'm I'm totally with you. And like I I despise Trump, obviously, but sometimes just as a wrestling fan, I can't help but like cheer for his like heel tactics, like with especially when he cuts promos on like somebody he just fired or whatever that I hate anyway. But it's like right. this guy is like the best heel when he's making mistakes that are killing people. Like not even the worst heel did that in wrestling. <laughs> right, right. Kane never got people killed. Right, he might have burned a few people, but they all survived. <laughs> <laughs> well brian thank you so much it's it's you know in times like this it, it was a pleasure to kind of distract ourselves for half an hour and, and talk about something as silly as pro wrestling yeah absolutely i hope you and your family remain safe and get through this okay yeah where are you what what part of the country do you live in oh i'm, I'm in brooklyn new york so like we're kind of oh, also on a bit of a, a lockdown how strange is that how strange is it walking around the city is it re- is like everything shut down yeah, everything it's like everything at all times feels like it's early Sunday morning. That's kind of how it feels. I haven't gone to the city too much. I'm just avoiding like any public transportation or whatever. But well, even Brooklyn, even in your neighborhood. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. In Bro- it's like everything is totally shut down other than the the grocery store. So it I mean, it's right. it's, it's very odd and like there's just this weird you know, anxiety in the air, as, as I'm sure everywhere. Huh. Like even Duff's, all the metal bars are probably closed too, right? They have to. Yeah, they announced uh, on Monday they shut everything down. Everything but non-essential. Huh. Like essentially only grocery stores are open. Restaurants are allowed to do takeout. And that's it. And like. Right. That's what it is here. So it, it's a very weird time. All the shows have been canceled. There's nothing to do. And, and they don't want you to do anything. And here. It's so much more driving city than than Brooklyn is, unless you're a cab driver. But, uh, you know, Brooklyn, I feel like every time I'm there, I'm walking around a lot. But here, it's weird because no one walks here, but no one's driving here either. So if you're out on the like the main streets, there's friggin' no one, and it's it's uh you can shoot it you you can shoot an apocalypse movie if you wanted to right <laughs> now very easily. Yeah, well, I mean, it, that's a, I feel like that's honestly a good thing because now people are listening. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, thanks. Nice talking to you. It's it's an absolute pleasure, and stay safe. And once again, the album is Grandpa Metal. Everyone, everyone, go check it out. And thank you, Brian. Hopefully, I'll see you at a wrestling show. All right, man. I hope so too. Very, very cool interview with Brian. Thank you so much to him and his folks for making that happen. Well, it's a very, very unique time in the entire world, not just in the wrestling and metal world. Uh, all tours have been canceled. And uh, wrestling is about the only form of live entertainment right now that's still actively going. 
And it's been about a week since all the shutdowns of the coronavirus, COVID-19. And uh, basically, uh, the government is suggesting, you know, we keep our distance, don't go to public places. But the wrestling companies are kind of like, they're feeling superhuman here. They feel like uh, they can't get the uh, infections. (laughs) So they're going along. Now, SmackDown last Friday was a unique show. But uh, other than Bray Wyatt's promo, I feel like there really isn't much worth highlighting other than just seeing what an empty arena show from WWE is like. And uh, Triple H was doing commentary, and he was pretty funny, and he was kind of keeping it together. But overall, the wrestling itself was a little awkward, Uh, mainly because I feel like the wrestlers were still kind of like playing to the crowd. They weren't acknowledging the uniqueness of the situation where they should just play to the camera. And they kind of figured that out because on Raw, they had maybe four minutes of actual wrestling which was Ray and Andrade, two guys that always have great matches together. And so it was kind of like, well, is this empty arena wrestling stuff going to work? And then I saw AEW, and I can tell you that, yes, indeed, it can work. (laughs) And it could work when you have awesome wrestlers putting on awesome matches and just do something as simple as throw a bunch of the wrestlers who aren't in the ring just around the ring as audience members. And just the littlest bit of audience interaction adds so much ambience to the show. Otherwise, it's just the announcers and the wrestlers running that you hear. And and that was a little awkward. So I thought AEW overall did a very, very good job of, of keeping the show going and keeping it entertaining. Uh, there is a part of me though that still feels like what all these guys are doing and, and girls is perhaps a little unsafe. I would hope that all of these people who are wrestling uh, during the week, I hope they are keeping their social distance and not going out and not being in public places because all it takes is one of them to get infected and then they, they show up to one of these tapings and then they can infect all the wrestlers there and then everything would have to be shut down. But I think All Elite Wrestling did a really good job and, and they basically, I, I imagine they changed very little of their show last night from what it would have been if there was a crowd. Of course, a few people couldn't show up. Pack probably couldn't get in from the UK, and a few uh, folks probably were feeling under the weather, so they didn't want to show up and compromise the situation. But they did their full show. They revealed the exalted one is Brody Lee, the former Luke Harper. And that was certainly a twist. That was a surprise. I was for sure expecting it to be Matt Hardy, and in a way... It kind of was a red herring because that's kind of what they wanted, you should think, and how they were pushing it and pointing it that way. And uh, it did did not end up being Matt Hardy. It ended up being Brody Lee, and he looked great. And it solidified Dark Order as a solid mid-card act, and I hope now they're a little more serious now that they have, like, good muscle. Uh, Because I think Brody Lee is an awesome wrestler, and I'm looking forward to Brody Lee actually wrestling and, like, being himself and, like, getting a chance to shine because that dude can be a huge, huge star. And then the main event happened, and Jericho was amazing on commentary. I really very much enjoyed his contribution to the show and his little riffs on Cody's tattoo while also putting over everybody in the match. And Sammy Guevara was fantastic as well during the uh, sing-along from the crowd since, you know, the whole crowd wasn't there to do it for him. And then I thought the ending was incredible. It was such a great way to end the show where you thought... You know, the elite do not have the upper hand. The uh, inner circle have the upper hand and they have a five to four man advantage. And, and, you know, as a viewer, you're like, oh, is it all over? What's going on with the elite? Uh, And then you hear the buzzing and you hear what's that buzzing. And it's, of course, Matt Hardy's drone Vanguard one. Now, I think if this happened in an actual arena with actual fans and that drone came in, people would have lost their shit. 
there there would have been huge delete chance. It would have been a massive, massive pop. And then when Matt Hardy showed up, it would have been a, a second huge pop. But even without the audience in attendance, I thought the way they revealed that was so good that I was popping from my couch. <laughs> and so you really have to hand it to all of the wrestling. They really came together and put an incredible show together under very, very trying circumstances. And I wish nothing but the best for their health and for everyone in WWE's health for, you know, risking it to, to entertain us. And it, on the one hand, you're like, oh, is this safe? But on the other hand, as a wrestling fan, I'm so excited because it's like, I need this distraction and it's it's such a fun distraction. And AEW is just killing it. And I would be so sad <laughs> if there wasn't new wrestling. Although, of course, it'd be understandable. And one thing I'm kind of banking on now is it seems like in China and South Korea that they've gotten their coronavirus situation under control and in japan i believe as well so there's like a small glimmer of hope in my head that like maybe new japan can get back to live shows at the end of this month and then at least we will have new japan which to me is the best wrestling of all of them so that would be really really awesome and a great way to keep me from completely losing my mind in my apartment and uh before i go i do want to talk about what's going on with wrestlemania WWE announced that WrestleMania will be going forward. It will not be in the stadium in Tampa. Instead, they're going to be doing it at the Performance Center. This morning, actually, uh, came the news that it's going to be at the Performance Center and a few other venues. They're going to be doing gimmick matches at other locations, I guess, that, that way to keep the 50 people maximum down or something like that. Oh, and also they've announced that WrestleMania is now going to be two nights, the Saturday and the Sunday, and that Rob Gronkowski... Is going to be the one who is hosting. Gronk hosting, sure, whatever. Take it or leave it. The two nights thing, I think, is actually kind of a smart thing because they've announced all of these matches and these matches need time. And I just can't imagine sitting through a five or six hour empty arena stadium show or empty arena performance center show. Whereas I could see maybe, you know, two, two and a half hour shows being much more tolerable. And I guess since they've already announced these matches, Vince McMahon doesn't know when society will get back to normal so to speak and so he doesn't know when he would be able to have a, a, a real wrestlemania you know he doesn't know if there would be a possibility of doing it in the summer or if it'd have to be november or you know whenever so he in his mind he wants to just get it over which is fine i'm okay with that i think you should change the format up of the the sort of like i i hate that in the performance center you know there's not going to be fans but they still set up the chairs uh i i wondered why they did it i assume maybe because they needed something for the lights to reflect off of but either way it's just like it looks too weird with that setup just get rid of the partitions get rid of the the aisleway just have us um, create a unique set for wrestlemania with a, a ring in the middle and with like uh with screens and make it more like a studio setting as opposed to a traditional arena because you don't need a traditional arena for this because there's no fans you know you got to work with what you got and try something new another thing i could i think they could do is maybe throw some music under there it's just it's it's very weird if there's no crowd and all you hear is the announcers and the, the thuds of the ring. There's just too much dead air, like audio-wise. So I hope that they're sitting there and thinking about it and thinking about how to make it a unique show. And uh, who knows if it even happens. The government may just shut it down and not allow any of these things to happen. But they're going ahead like it's going to happen. I'm certainly much more curious about it than I was even three weeks ago when it was happening in Tampa. Uh, it's bittersweet, I'm sure, for some of these wrestlers, like Drew McIntyre, who likely would have been crowned 
the Universal Champion and had a great moment in front of a crowd, huge crowd and Rhea Ripley getting to perform in front of a stadium. But of course, <laughs> you know, you can only feel too much sympathy for these people for these sort of things when there's actual life-threatening situations happening out in the real world that are, are far of a far greater importance. So ultimately, like, none of this really even matters. You know, like, this is trivial. But we are in a place of privilege where we can discuss this trivial matter from the comfort of our own home. And hopefully everyone's staying safe and secure, keeping hydrated, <laughs> washing your hands. And uh, if you have, a, like I said, if you have all this downtime and need something to listen to, plenty of old episodes of Squirt Circle Pit available at mentalinjection.net slash Squirt Circle Pit. My name is Rob. Pleasure to talk to you. You can always hit me up on Twitter. Rob Injection is the handle. Squared Circle Pit is also on Twitter. It, it, the handle is Squared Circle Pit without the E in circle. Squared Circle Pit is also on Facebook. Add us on there, and uh, hopefully we'll be back in a few weeks with more Squared Circle Pit.